Well, thank you, worship team. Really appreciate you uh, preparing our hearts for, for this moment. As uh, I shared with you, Pastor Jeff got a call this week. Uh, I think it was on uh, Monday, I believe, maybe Tuesday, um, that his grandmother passed away. And so, uh, so he went to the bullpen, he gave me the ball, and he said, uh, here you go, you're, you're, you're going to take it. And I said, well, that's great. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you want me to preach from? And he said, uh, well, you've been doing the parenting class, right? And I said, yes, I've been doing uh, last uh, six, six weeks, eight weeks, I've been doing a parenting class, uh, first hour. And he said, why don't, you know, it's, uh, and I've been using uh, Ephesians 5 and 6. He said, why don't you just take Ephesians 5 and 6 and just, uh, just rework it and, and uh, you know, share from Ephesians 5 and 6. And I said, okay, just got a couple of issues that I'm seeing with that. Number one, I spent about six weeks talking to people about it, so people are going to go, what, again? He said, eh, they'll be kind to you, don't worry about it, you know. So, so I said, okay, you're probably right. Um, and the second thing I, I said was uh, two chapters from Ephesians. Uh, you know, these people want to go to lunch, so, uh, you know, they don't want to be here all day. So, um, I am going to attempt to do uh, two chapters, Ephesians 5 and 6, and, uh, but it's going to be a quick overview. This is not going to go in-depth. This is more of a, uh, this is not deep theological stuff. This is more practical stuff. It, it really is. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cruise through it uh, fairly quickly. I would encourage you on your own to read through Ephesians 5 and 6 and, uh, and read it with your, uh, with your spouse, with your family, on your own. Um, and uh, basically what we're going to do today is uh, this, this message will step on everybody's toes. It's got enough room for everybody. So it uh, talks about us as the body of Christ and, and the church in general. It talks about husbands and wives. It talks about children and, uh, and how they should act. It talks about slaves and masters, which is not necessarily in our culture now, but employees and employers. Um, and it talks about uh, the armor of God. So it's, it's quite the... Uh, Quite the ordeal, so so here we go. I hope that uh, I hope that you will enjoy this. I hope this is profitable for you. It's been rough on my toes this week. Do you ever find that children imitate their parents? Do you hear? Do you hear stuff? Yeah, especially when you have more than one of them, and they're uh, talking to you know the oldest talking to the younger. I mean, absolutely. How about this? Do you ever do you ever find yourself? Hearing your parents speak through you, you're like, oh, wow, that was, that was my dad, I've heard that, or that was my mother. I... We do. I mean, kids often imitate their parents. Um, it, is, it, is, it is just the way it is. And, uh, and we want, uh, hopefully in a lot of ways, uh, to represent well our parents, those that, that uh, we've, uh, we've grown up with. At the beginning here of Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us that we are to imitate our Father. Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So we are to imitate our Heavenly Father. We're supposed to look like Him. We're supposed to sound like Him. We're supposed to act like Him. That's what we're, we're called to do, imitating our Father. But uh, you know as well as I do, when a, when a you see, therefore, in Scripture, you've got to go back and see what, what therefore is therefore, right? So, uh, so we're going to jump back into uh, Ephesians 4, starting verse 30. We'll just do the last couple of verses here, Ephesians 4, and see what 
this says to us. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I told you I was going to step on our toes. Uh, this is how we are, to, we are to be. We are to be loving and kind. We're to be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. He is the example that we are to be like. That is, is how we are to be. And uh, with Christ as the example, verse 2 of chapter 5 says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we are to live a life of love. That is how we are to live. Christ's example of what living a life of love is like. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this today. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love for others. It's a love with the eyes on other people and not on me. That's what Christ was about. And you, you just read through the Gospels, and it is so evident. It is a sacrificial love for other people. But it also was, his life on earth here was a fragrant, sacrificial offering, pleasing offering to his heavenly Father. That's what his life was. And so as he lived that out, he realized it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about being a sacrificial, fragrant, pleasing sacrifice to my Heavenly Father. That's what my life is supposed to be. And so that's what Christ called us to. A sacrificial, uh, pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. Well, the next part of uh, chapter 5 there, it gives a list of things that we are not to be. Things that are not uh, a life of love. And so it, uh, it says in verse 4, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Some pretty sharp words as to how we are to live. We are not to look like the world. We are to be different. So my guess is there's something in that list where you are going, oh, yeah, that's something that I need not be because I need to be an imitator of my Heavenly Father. I want people to look at me and see my Heavenly Father. That's what I want. Okay. It also tells us in verse 7, it says, do not be partners do not become partners with them. It's talking about the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with the sons of disobedience. You know, a lot of times we, we find ourselves um, aligning ourselves or being partners with, with someone that we, that we shouldn't, shouldn't be with. I've worked with kids a long time. I don't even know how long, but a long time, most of my life. Um, I have kids in my home. I'm surrounded by kids. I, 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 that's, that's been what I have done. And so I've told kids for a lot of years that you are, you can tell a lot about a kid by who their friends are. You can tell a lot. Okay? 
You may not know exactly, they may not be exact, but you can tell a lot by who their friends are because our friends have influences on us. They have influences on us. My, uh, we have a, uh, we have, uh, kids have their own language, don't they? Do they have their own language? Yes. Okay. Is this a new thing in our society that kids have their own language? It's only happened the last few years, right? No. Every one of us has had a language when we were young, and we said, boy, our parents, they just don't get it. They don't know what they're talking about. But every one of us had, had a language. Granted, we aren't going to bring up the language when we were young because, you know, we'd be mocked uh, for, for talking. We have this disease in our family that, uh, that is really, uh, I, I blame, a, I have a large deal of blame on this, but it's, it's the disease of basketball. And my sons, my daughter doesn't shun the sport, but uh, she keeps it at an arm's length. However, my sons are very involved in, in basketball. And, and uh, if you were to watch a basketball game right now with my sons, okay, you were to watch a basketball game with them, uh, if someone made a very nice shot uh, from the outside, okay, so distance from the back basket, my sons would say something to the effect of, oh, he is wet. Oh, he's so Excuse me? He's what? He is wet, Dad. All right. What they're saying is, he's a very good shooter from the outside. That's what they're saying. But uh, they have their own language. And it has become a thing that they have adopted very, very quickly. I'll, I'll leave it right there. I won't give you any more examples. But we become people that we are like. Okay? We just do. Scripture tells us that we are not to become partners with those that are not of God. Does that mean that we, we don't spend time with them in the world? No. No, that is not what it's saying. But we don't become partners with them. We can't become too close and aligned with people of the world. We need to, as verse 8 says, uh, verse 8 says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That is how we are to live. We are to walk as children of light. And therefore, as we walk as children of light, we are imitators of our Heavenly Father, and He sees us. Okay, He sees us. We are to expose the darkness for what it is. Okay? Expose it. Call it out in the open. Point it out to people who don't know any better. Expose the darkness to the light. It also says we are not to be drunk with wine, but filled with the Holy Spirit in, uh, in verse 18. Okay, This joy is to come out of us. It's to come from our relationship with the Father. That is where our joy is to come from. That's what is supposed to exude out from us. That is how we are imitators of our Heavenly Father. Well, the end of this section says this. Um, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Every one of us is to submit. Every one of us. And we're going to jump into wives and husbands here in a second. Okay, But every one of us is to submit. 
And I told my wife, uh, as I was, was talking to this, I, I told my wife, and she gave me kind of a, a shocked response, and I hope to uh, uh, tell you what I mean here in a minute. But, uh, but uh, she's very, you know, has, has read the word, is very aware that says, wives submit to your husbands. But I also said, husbands need to submit to their wives. And she said, what? I said, yes, husbands that are need to be submissive to their wives. And she, you know, don't throw anything at me, okay? But I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you what I'm, what I'm saying here in a minute. But we are all to be submissive to each other and to the body of Christ. Verses uh, 19-20 say that we are to be thankful with a heart of joy. That is how we are to submit, thankfully, joyfully submitting to, to one another. And why we submit, I think this is, this is big. This is huge. If you don't get anything else from today's message, I think you need to understand the motivation as to why we are to live our lives the way God calls us to in this passage of Scripture. And that is, in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The way you live your life, The way you submit to one another, to your spouse, to, as we'll we'll look later, employers, employees, to to children submitting to their parents, the way you do that shows your reverence for Christ. It, it, It shows that. All right. Wives and husbands. Okay. Ephesians 5, 22. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay? Again, our reason for submitting is, is out of our reverence for Christ. Wives are to submit to their husbands. Now, submitting is not a real popular word in our culture. Okay? It's just not. And it is not saying a lower class, and we'll talk about that in a second. It's not saying a hierarchy. It is saying a willingness to allow your husband to lead in the family to encourage him, to support him, and, and help him lead in the way that God has called him to. That's what this submitting is about. Okay? That's what this is about. And the attitude in submitting. We need to back up to uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Um, this is what it says here right before the passage that, that we're in today. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of God, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another up in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Right? So, it is building one another up, but it is walking in a manner worthy of our calling. Worthy of your calling. Is that how you regularly live your life? Worthy of the calling you have in Christ? Is that, is that how I live my life? This is, this is humbling. <laughs> Someone came up to me in between services and said, Thanks a lot. My toes are hurting. I said, well, yeah, yeah I could have told you. It's, it's tough. It is tough. But, but God's word says that we are to live a life worthy of the manner of our calling. When people think of you, 
Do they see humility? Do they see gentleness? Patience? Bearing one another up in love? Is that what they see with you? That is what they are supposed to see if we are imitating our Heavenly Father. The unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. They are to see us as believers in the unity of Spirit, the bond of peace. A tough word. Do we have that bond of peace? The unity of the Spirit. Is there unity and a bond of peace in your home? Your home is like mine. There are times when it is anything but unity or a bond of peace between spouses, between children and and parents, between children, you know, anything but a bond of peace. But that is, that is what we are called. You know, it's easy for us to see how others are not really doing this, isn't it? We're pretty good at saying, ooh, no peace right there. No bond of love right there. They're not lifting up. But nowhere are we, look, are we called to look other than here as to how we are lived our lives. And so we need to ask God to show us, is this who I am? What would you have me do? How would you have me work? We are to look at our own hearts, not at the hearts of others. That's what we're called to. Is your heart committed to living at peace with others? Is it committed to living at peace in your family? That's what we're called to. Well, this marital submitting. Husbands are to love their wives, it says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 25. Husbands are to love their wives. Christ loved his church. He gave himself up. He sacrificially gave himself up. He submitted himself to the Father's will to give his life up for his bride, the church. That's what Christ did. Husbands, we are called to give our lives up, to submit ourselves to the Lord and give ourselves up for our wives. That's what we're called to do. That's how we are to obey. It's not about us. It's about submitting ourselves to the Lord and and we are to be under that submission. We are called to submit, husbands. We are called to submit. We are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It was, it was the sac- I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's the sacrificial gift. It's a gift that we can't, even, we can't even imagine. We are so thankful for. But that's what we're called to do. There are times when I've gone to Lana and I've said, Lana, I don't know how to love you. I don't know how to love you. I want to, but I don't know how. Could be an excuse. Very true. Probably many times it was an excuse. But there were other times where I was, I'm at a loss. I am at a loss. And so, the, the, the first thing that I came up with, and this is, you know, this is genius for me. The first thing that I came up with, with how to wife, ask her. 
What a thought. Ask her, how can I love you? What means love to you? What a great idea. Another uh, little book I read, and I believe, I'm pretty sure we have it in the bookstore back here, but this, this was a great book. It was, it was little, it was not very big, it was like 80 pages, something like that. It's by C.J. Mahaney, and it was entitled Sex, Romance, and the Glory of God. And I read this book, and it was wonderful. It gave ideas. It gave a strategy. It outlined things in which uh, I could attempt to go after loving my wife. It, sh- it helped me open my eyes and go, oh, wow, this is, this is great. I would encourage you to, to pick that up, uh, C.J. Mahaney, Sex, Romance, and the Glory of God. And, and it's, for, it's for husbands. Wives, don't be sneaking a peek at this. This is for husbands, all right? So you're not, this is not, now there's a little bit in the back for wives, okay? But this is written for husbands. And it's a challenge on how we are to love our wives. Christ did everything for his bride, the church. He was totally submissive and put her needs ahead of his own. And that is how we as husbands are. We are to submit and put the, the needs of our wives ahead of our own. Okay? We are to love and respect them. And, and um, the wives are to, are to honor, to respect their husbands. The end of the section says, uh, wives, respect your husbands, okay? And, and you got to understand, there's no mandate here. There's no statement that says, wives, respect your husbands because they deserve it. It's not there. Husbands, love your wives because they deserve it. It's not there. Are, are, are your wives a gift to you from God? Absolutely absolutely a gift from God. But it's not because they deserve it. It's not when they deserve it. You are to love your wives. Wives are to respect their husbands, not because they deserve it, not because they act that way, not when they act that way. They are to respect their husbands. And so again, this is about us. It's not about as soon as you get your act together, then we'll, uh, then we'll, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. No, you live your life the way God has called you. And why do we do it? Out of reverence and love for Christ, what he has done for us. That is how we are to live. Okay? That's how we are to live. Now the results in, in submitting to each other. In the church, it says in verse 30 that we become one body. There is unity in the body of Christ. It says because we are members of his body. That is, that is why we submit to one another. We are members of body. We, we want to unify in the body of Christ here. In marriage, it refers to it as this. It refers back to the Old Testament where it talks about the two becoming one flesh. Verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It is this one flesh relationship that God is talking about, and that's what the marriage relationship is to be like. The, uh, the, the word there, hold fast, I'm not, I'm not the best uh, Greek student in the world, but uh, I did have some Greek, and, and uh, the word hold fast is proskalao, and uh, it means literally cemented together, okay? Cemented together. The hold fast to your wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You are cemented together. Well, if you know cement, when, when cement comes apart, it doesn't come apart with two equal 
halves, does it? It, it, it comes apart in pieces and chunks and, and doesn't work very well. That's the way God designed marriage to be. Cemented together. The two shall become one flesh. The one flesh union. And the marriage relationship is to be the most intimate relationship unlike any other that you will have on earth. That's the way it's designed. That's what it's supposed to be like. That's how God designed it to be. And so this husband-wife relationship, there's been uh, a lot of times I think this, this passage of Scripture has been abused. And, uh, you know, woman, submit to me. It says right there, would you submit to me? Come on, you know. And it's been pounded in like that. That's, that's not what we're looking at here. That's not how this relationship, we're not, we're not, it's not a dictatorship, okay? This is a partnership. Marriage is a partnership, okay, together. Um, 1 Peter 3, 7 in the New American Standard uh, talks about um, husbands and their relationship to God and, and if their prayers will be hindered because of their relationship with their wife. And it says, it calls them, husbands and wives are joint heirs to the, gra- to the uh, grace of life. Joint heirs. Joint, side by side, not here, here. Joint heirs walking together. Differing roles? Yes, absolutely. Differing roles. The husband is to be the head of the home, the leader in the home. The wife is to submit to the husband. But this is a partnership, not a dictatorship. Okay? And, and Galatians 3, 27-28 talks about um, there is, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. This is not a blast on femaleness. Okay? It's not. It is a definition of roles that are to be in the marriage relationship. Okay? So, all are one in Christ. Christ does not see them as, uh, as differing levels at all. Well, the next uh, section here in the, the beginning of uh, chapter 6 is living as children and parents. How are we supposed to do this parent-children thing? Okay? And uh, we've, been, we've been working at figuring this thing out for, uh, well, let's see, 24 years. So, uh, so it's been a while. Um, it says in Ephesians chapter 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So kids, children, this is it. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is not a request. It's not a suggestion. It is you are to obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And you are to honor your father and mother. Okay, You are to honor your father and mother. This is what God wants from his children. Out of your reverence for Christ, this is what God wants, and we are to obey our parents and to honor our parents. Okay? Verse 3 tells us what will happen if you live your life in that way. This is the first commandment with a promise. Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. It is showing us and telling children this will go well for you. Honoring your parents, doing what they say, listening to them, obeying them, it will go well for you if you do this. And I have told my children this many times. Doing what uh, your father says, it will go well for you. Sometimes I didn't necessarily say it in the right way, but uh, I have said that many times. That it will go well for you. 
You know, and you may live long in the land. My father, um, when I was a junior in college, I may have told you this before, but when I was in, a junior in college, my father came to me, we were talking, and he said, he said, son, I've just discovered something. And I said, really? What's that? He said, you know, the older you get, the smarter I get. And I said, wow, there's a lot of truth to that. He's right. As we get older, we see the wisdom of our parents. We appreciate that so much more. And I am on the phone with my mother and father, asking them to pray for me, number one, but, but asking them things, asking advice, seeking them out. Okay? And so we need to be about honoring our parents. There's not, a, there's not a line that says, okay, when you turn 18, you don't need to honor your parents anymore. It's done. Or even obey your parents. There's obviously a time when we move out into adulthood and you're on your own making those decisions, but the honoring of your parents never ends. We should be honoring our parents as to the Lord as best we can our whole lives long and their whole lives long. Okay? The next verse is a command to the fathers. It says this in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Anger, excuse me. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is a command to fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger. Don't do it. Ouch. My toes are bleeding. <laughs> what about when they don't listen? Do not provoke your children to anger. What about when they don't obey? Do not provoke your children to anger. What about when they are not honoring me? Do not provoke your children to anger. That's tough. That's not easy. That is real tough. But did you hear what it said? Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We are to discipline our children. Proverbs says, he who does not discipline his son hates his son. We are to d discipline our children. Okay, We are. We are to teach them and help them to grow up to be people that love God and want to honor Him. So we are to to teach them to obey, to discipline them in that way. We are to teach them. We are to instruct them, teach them the word. We need to be about teaching our children the word. And you uh, bring your kids to church. That is great. They're learning the word here. Okay? You may have Bible studies. You, you may be at Awanas on Wednesday night teaching them the word. That's great. That's excellent. You may have your kids at... Grace Christian School, which is, which is great. It's wonderful. Teaching them the word, instructing them. But you are fathers to teach your children the word. You are to instruct them. This is your job. This is my job. One of the ways that, uh, that we decided uh, when our kids were young that we were going to teach the word is we were going to memorize scripture. And uh, we... Uh, the Carlbergs needed a little extra encouragement um, and a little more support as to being diligent to, to memorize the word as a family. So we, uh, we called on the Davises and we said, hey, we want to memorize passages of scripture together. What do you guys think? They said, yeah, that sounds wonderful. So this is what we did. We printed up uh, 
verses, uh, 12 to 20 verses, depending, you know, a, a section. And we memorized it. We didn't want it too easy, but we wanted it to be, you know, to take a while, but something to be a challenge. And so we memorized this as families. We would read it uh, when we had dinner together. We would read it and we would memorize, read it in the morning, even posting it in the bathroom in ours. I don't know if you guys posted it. We posted in the bathroom, you know, so you could memorize. And the kids are always going, Mom and Dad, come on, are you done yet? It's like, no, give me two more days. I need two more days. So they're encouraging. They do it a whole lot easier than we do. And so we were memorizing Scripture together. And so, you know, Davis would be calling us, how, how are you guys doing? He said, well, we're going to need a couple of days. Okay, well, we're done. All right, the Davises are done. We've got to hurry up, you know. And so we're back and forth encouraging each other. And bring it. And so what we would do is we would go to Cold Stone when we had it all memorized. And we would go outside Cold Stone, and we would sit there, and we would quote this passage of Scripture. Together. All right, huddle around, huddle around. And so we'd say it, and, you know, we had some good looks. People, what? the world are you guys doing you know but we would we would say this passage of scripture as families just like woohoo we did it we celebrate we got it now let's go have ice cream and we do that and we did that to help encourage us to be in the word to memorize God's word Psalm 119:11 I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you okay that's just one idea it's a little goofy idea you don't have to do it that way, but you need to be about memorizing the Word in your family. You need to be about in the Word, teaching the Word to your children, learning the Word for yourself. Whatever you do, do something. Be in the Word, okay? And that's, uh, and that's what it says. Instruction of the Lord. Well, the next passage talks about living as slaves and masters, and uh, you know, slavery in the Roman world was very different than we have here. And uh, it was very different than the 1700s and 1800s in America. It was not the same at all. Actually, the, the conditions for slaves was um, better in a lot, of, a lot of ways than it was for poor people in society. Okay? So people would come through society, they'd get poor, they wouldn't be able to uh, you know, provide for themselves because they didn't have a job or didn't have um, whatever, and so they would sell themselves into slavery, live a life there. There, Their master would uh, provide food for them, provide housing for them, um, have them work in their home, and then they would, would grow up and raise up. Okay? So it was, it was a very different uh, situation. As a matter of fact, uh, slaves could earn their way out of slavery through years of service and stuff. They could actually earn their way out and, and become free, okay? And, uh, you know, they didn't have to become free. Um, you guys, I'm sure, have, have read that the, they could say, no, it is better to live with my master. I'm going to live with my master. And, and so they become a bondservant at that time. Um, so this culture that he is writing to, that Paul is writing to here, slavery was, was that way, and it was, it was seen as that. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, let's say you have a, a home church, 45 people or so in, in a home church okay, that he's writing to, and about a third of the population, or up to a third of the population, was, was it slaves. And so you would have 15, maybe 20 people in this church, uh, quite possibly, that were slaves. Okay? And so as he's writing that, he's talking to this. These people were not looked down upon. This was not something where, where they're seen as, as uh, second-class citizens or anything like that. They were, they were full members of, um, of the church. You know? I'm sure there were horrible situations out there. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that is the case. But uh, 
in the large extent of the thing, they were seen as full honorable members of, of the church. And, uh, and so as he's writing to them, that's, that's what he's talking about. And uh, in verse 6, um, it says, uh, well, verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Okay? So the instruction that he's given to these, to these uh, servants is that don't just obey uh, your, your masters when they're watching you. Do what they tell you to do, even when they're not there. Because you are obeying the Lord. That's what you're doing. So obey your masters. Obey in those that are, that are serving over you. Okay, Serve wholeheartedly with them. Okay? Serve from your heart with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would if you're serving Christ, because that's what you're doing. You are serving Christ. Now, what we have in our society, the only thing that, that even comes close is employers and employees. Okay? That's, that's you know, the closest we can get in our society to, to what Paul was writing to here um, in the Roman world. And so, employers are to respect, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, employers are to respect your employees, but employees are to submit themselves and to respect their employers, okay? Do you serve your employer with a sincere heart? Do you work diligently as you would to serve Christ, wholeheartedly giving to them? Is that your practice? Is that how you are viewed at work? Because that, that's what this is calling us to do. How do you serve your employer? Well, some of you can say, well, that's great, but I'm the boss. <laughs> so, you know, a little different situation for me. Well, you're in authority. You have people in authority over you. Every one of us has people in authority over us. Absolutely every one of us. How do you respond? To those in authority over you. Do you serve them as if you're serving Christ? Do you approach it with those eyes? That's what we're called to here, to serve because of who we are in Christ. And God does not show any partiality between employers and employees. He doesn't, he doesn't get a class of, of citizens here. We looked at, uh, uh, or talked about Galatians chapter 3, there is either uh, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. There's no classifications as far as God's concerned. We're all one in Christ, okay? That's where we're at. Also, Ephesians 6, 9 says there's no partiality with Christ, okay? So, so Christ is not interested in this, this, well, I'm, you know, just the employee or I'm the employer, and so he's not... No, there's no partiality. You are to serve him because you're serving Christ. Okay? And if you are an employer, how did Christ serve those that were under him? He served them well. He served them well. And he humbled himself so that he would serve those that are under him. That's the type of leader he was. He was a servant leader. And that is what we are called to do. Well, the last section here is, uh, you, you've been doing good. Well, I think you're doing good. I think you're holding on here. 
All right, last section is the, is the armor of God, okay? And uh, very familiar with this passage, I'm sure. Um, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It starts out by saying this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Loved ones, we are in a battle for our homes. We are in a battle. The evil one, the schemes, the plans, they are there daily, hourly, minute by minute, trying to destroy our families, trying to help our families not be spectators of Christ. We need to be wise. It, it is, there, there is no time to relax. You can't relax. We are in battles, and we need to approach it as such. The first part of this talks about strength for battle, being strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. This is not our own strength. We cannot battle in our own strength. It is because of who we are in Christ and by His strength that we can battle. That's the only way we can do this. We need to submit ourselves to the Lord and use His strength. Well, that's, that's how we have to battle. The preparedness for the battle. It says, stand firm. We are to stand firm, not giving ground. Not giving ground. And I'm not going to go through and talk about this. Obviously, you see there could be, there could be several sermons in, in each one of these sections. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the armor of God. But, but you need to understand that Satan is a schemer. He is the father of lies. He will use whatever he can to draw your attention off and put it on something else. Draw your attention off the Lord, off His Word, off being an imitator of Christ, and put it on something else. That's what He wants to do. That is His goal. First Peter 5.8, you know, He's a roaring lion, seeking whom He may devour. He wants to devour our children and our families. He wants to destroy us. That is His goal. The father of lies. Make no mistake, we are in a battle in our homes every day. And we have to approach it as such. We have to stand firm. The armor that's there. Um, you know, Paul was probably, he was in jail as he wrote this, so he's probably staring at a, a Roman officer, uh, Roman, uh, probably not an officer, but a, a Roman uh, soldier. And so he's describing the battle, that he, or the, the armor that he sees. He says, uh, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, okay? Shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, one thought I thought about that is fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In midst of the battle, there is supposed to be peace through the gospel of Christ for us. We are supposed to see that as peace. The helmet of salvation, okay? Knowing who we are in Christ, the salvation that we had, no one can snatch them out of my hands. We are his sheep. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I talked about uh, Psalm 119.11, hiding God's Word in my heart that I might not sin against Him. You know, it's our only offensive weapon. And when Jesus was tempted, remember in the wilderness, wandered for 40 days, 40 days without food, and He's tempted in the wilderness, He combated with the Word. Deuteronomy is what He used. And uh, I, I agree with Rob Annan. I don't know how I'd do uh, if I had to battle with uh, Satan only using Deuteronomy. That would be a challenge for me. But Christ did. This is what, he used the word. 
We need to know the word. We need to know the truth. And we need to call it when Satan says and he twists the truth and makes it a lie, we say, no, that is not right. I know the truth, and that is not it. But if we're not in the word, if we are not people of God's word, then we can't do that. Need to know God's word. Need to be there. The sword of the spirit. And finishing the battle, we need to be alert at all times, praying in the spirit on all occasions, okay? And praying with perseverance. It talks about praying with perseverance, finishing, not quitting in prayer, but praying with perseverance for uh, people in the body, um, for your, your families. We need to be people of prayer. And, and if it helps you to keep a journal or to keep a monument as to the way God has answered prayer, the way you've seen God faithful in your life and past, Israel had monuments all the time. They set up monuments to what God had done. And when your sons and daughters ask you, what is this uh, pile of rocks, Father? This is where God brought us across. Right? So we need to have monuments. We need to have reminders in our own lives so that we tell our children, when our family was struggling in this area, this is how God was faithful. He is faithful to us. And we need to remember. And we need to keep, keep praying in that way. We need to be people of prayer. Well, I hope you will, you will take... Uh, this passage and go back and read it for yourself. I know I, I went very fast and covered a lot of ground. But it is a challenge as to how we are to live. Be imitators of God. Live a life of love. That is humbling for me. That is very humbling for me. And I need to, uh, to tell you about some folks that are leaving us. The verse puts, Tim and Jan verse put, we're here in first hour. And uh, this is their last week with us. Okay? This is their last week with us. And they, um, they are moving, Tim's retiring, going to, to Michigan. Um, and they have had a, a great impact in our church body here. On, on many of you I know, on, on our family, my life, uh, for a lot of years, Dan, Jan did my, my job as a uh, you know, working with youth, and I got paid for it, which is a great relationship to have, you know. Uh, they are just wonderful, wonderful people. Um, we are going to miss them. If you know them and, uh, and you wanted to give them, give them a call and, and, uh, and just tell them you appreciate them, that would be fine. I think the movers have already come. They're uh, going, I think, uh, Friday or Saturday, I think. They're, they're pulling out. They're moving to Michigan. Uh, so uh, just, uh, just to inform you of that, and, and we are so thankful to the Lord for them. Pray with me if you would. Father, you are so good. (laughs) And as we spend time in your word today, we are challenged. And we just just are humbled that you call us to be imitators of you. But there are so many times when we don't look like you, where people don't think of you when they see us. I pray, God, that you would help us to live a life of love, to live a life of obedience, to live a life that is not about us, but is about submitting to you. Out of our reverence for what Christ has done for us, we submit to you and we want to serve you and honor you in our homes, in our church body, in our places of employment with our our children and, and parents. 
Father, I just pray that we would be people that, that live a life of love and submission to you. And we just pray your blessings upon uh, Tim and Jan Verse, but we thank you so much for them and their children, just the, uh, the impact they have had here on our church through the years. Pray that you bless them as they, they move to Michigan, and, and uh, we're just so excited for the, the next uh, phase of life that you have for them. Pray your blessings upon them. God, we also, again, pray for Jeff and Judy, that you would just minister to them as they are away. And Father, I pray for, for each one here, those that are hurting, those that are longing. Um, God, those who, who uh, it is going to be difficult to uh, be submissive to what you call us to because we're in situations, and whatever situation it is, that, that is difficult. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds and give us a fresh um, view from you. So I thank you, Father, for, for these, my brothers and sisters. I pray your blessings upon them this week. And I pray that we would honor and glorify you in all things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.